0: is the topic for today's Conscious Awesome show? Be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode of the entire Word Up series. As well, track Justin and me and the whole Conscious Awesome Empire at consciousawesome.locals.com. It's where we post all the video versions of our podcast episodes, as well as where the community gathers to trade awesomeness, to encourage one another, to inspire one another, and to cross-pollinate. It's where you'll hear word of special offerings, new products, and it's super free. So join us over at Locals. As well, be sure to stock up on your favorite chocolate at yescacao.com and to track Danny's everything at DannyCats.com. Enjoy today's show.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to the Conscious Awesome Podcast, my fellow Conscious Awesomers, Awesomers, Awesomers. So uh, this is the Conscious Awesome Show with your hosts, Danny Katz. That's me. And Justin Polgar. That's, That's me. Him. And uh, we're here now. Bow. Maybe we um, could put a little down, gong. Down. Yeah, brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> we put a gong sound effect there. We're here now. Oh, oh, I like it. To play with you. We're playing with ourselves. We're playing with each other. And we're playing with you. This is a play space. Is it a safe space? Depends on you. We're doing our best to keep this as permission-oriented as possible. Open permission. And in that light... We're going to talk about something that used to be taboo and is less taboo by the day, by the day. And that is the lovely, sweet Sensimia. It is the <laughs> cannabis. It is the marijuana. It is the the joint in your back pocket or behind your ear. We're going to talk about cannabis consumption, healthy, conscious cannabis consumption here today for just a brief dip in. We're just going to like, you know, play around in this area so that we can feel more clear about our personal relationships with this magical plant. How do you feel about that?
0: I'm so excited about this. Uh, We had, today's show was gonna be totally different and then you texted me last night, let's talk about, you were so clear, cannabis and conscious use and when to take breaks and this and that and I'm curious what brought this topic onto your radar?
1: I'm also curious. I have no, I don't know how that popped in. I think I've been wanting to smoke pot. I've been wanting to just roll up a fatty and toke deeply. Actually, do you know what really brought it up? Okay, guys, I'm going to get real here. I had a a thought. It was kind of like, um, didn't feel like it was my thought. It came in out of the ethers. Which we know that, you know, there's the ethers out of the blue. Um, basically, it was a download of sorts. Some information cosmically came to me and said, "Hey, your father-in-law, Natan, who we bring up a lot on this podcast, has
0: honorary conscious awesomer."
1: He's our he's our permanent guest.
0: Mm-hmm. Slash spirit animal.
1: <laughs> Allow he had. The conscious awesome spirit animal is definitely Natan Siegel <laughs> a rabbi a mystic an artist a musician a healer a doctor i mean i just gosh i totally home run an aquarius an aquarius <laughs> i mean i could go on stories and stories i'm so my life is so much more fantastic because of this human yeah. who left the planet a little over a year ago and my mind being a little bit math oriented i like to calculate things sometimes i ca- like Math is is helpful for my mind. It might be an air sign thing, a Gemini sign. It could be that my dad is an accountant. There could be some things going on. My grandfather was like a coupon fiend and he knew prices and how many discounts you could get and where to get what box of cereal and which produce, all that. So numbers in the mind is maybe in my lineage. Also, when I pee, if I'm standing at the urinal and, I, and I'm just going <laughs> to... If I'm standing at the urinal and I'm like, I have to pee, but I don't really have to pee just yet. If I do a complex math problem in my head, I immediately start peeing. peeing. Urination. Why are you
0: at the urinal if you don't have to pee? uh,
1: Maybe I'm getting in the car.
0: Are just fun to hang out at?
1: (laughs) Sometimes. Urinals are totally the hot spot. It's the hot spot. It's where everyone hangs out and has vulnerable conversation. Um. I've had some interesting downloads about urinals, but that's not what we're here for at the moment. Really, it's just the math piece. So I'll do like a two or three digit multiplication problem, like you know, 642 times 108. And I'll just start doing it in my head and usually within a couple seconds, I'm peeing. I don't know, maybe you have something like that. It's not that I'm like standing there and, I, and for some weird reason, I just like maybe I'm going to leave the house or... Sometimes I have to pee, and I get to the urinal, and I'm like, I had to wait a while, and then you hold it, and then you...
0: No, I get it. For me, when I have to pee, it's more I think about what I'm choosing to let go of in my life, and then I'm letting that go through the stream. And what I like about the complex multiplication tactic, technique, strategy, if you will, is that it keeps your brain fresh, like you're getting some IQ exercise, and... Not to take us too off topic, but I was talking to Martin at Pack and Ship yesterday, who's like pretty much my closest friend these days because I see him so often. And we were talking about how when you're going to check out at the cash register, and if it's like a millennial or younger, and say it's like $28.37, and you give them like $33.50 or something, how there's they're so much cognitive, dis- they don't understand what it means when you give them like extra dollars and extra change to round it off, like you you see this like deer in headlights because the math skills have never it's they're just not there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, it's practice. I mean, we just have calculators and phones and cash registers. What well, I like to do it at the grocery store, and I I just want to let you guys know, I'm red flagging back to how we got to cannabis. This happens though. Red um, it's
0: cannabisy, right?
1: Disclaimer, we're really just on the ethereal cannabis level right now. Neither of us have consumed cannabis this morning. No
0: cannabis. None in the system.
1: It's early for both of us. I mean, it's not early, but traditionally having cannabis at 9 a.m. is not usually how I start my Fridays. I
0: don't really roll like that.
1: Back in the day, but that's different. So um, back in the day when bulk bins used to be functional... Remember, you go to the grocery store, and then you fill up your own bag with things. I so
0: miss the bulk bin. I'm, I'm just having a moment.
1: Let's have a deep breath for the bulk bins.
0: Just bringing in my own containers to refill my laundry detergent. My
1: with a responsible tear sticker already affixed.
0: Yes. I, it wasn't that long ago that we had this luxury, the bulk bin. Remember the bulk bin in Los Feliz? That was like the spot, Nature Mart.
1: It was its own own room.
0: Its own freestanding situation.
1: It's such a safe space. Like, you know the people in there. And any bulk bin area, you know the people that you're going to connect with? There's like a depth. There's an awareness to the bulk bin. There's a certain
0: shared value system because you're bringing in... You give a shit about the planet.
1: (laughs) It could be that we could yeah you know for marketing this concert's awesome show we might want to look at the um the the market the subset of human that is bulk bin people if we could find I think that bulk bin is our internet, market
0: when people yeah. ask us who our market is we could just go bulk bin
1: people who are in the bulk bin area or who used to be in the bulk bin area it was i used to just memorize the numbers
0: oh right 2077 would, was your yeah. like
1: 47221 yes. 2, 2, 2, 2, yeah yeah exactly and and then i would get to the aisle i would get to the checkout and i would have maybe four or five bags and i would like no. 2537 2542 yeah you know, and it's so such a great mental exercise as keep is attention with the pee-pee.
0: kids because Justin is actively going out of his way to exercise his brain and keep getting smarter and smarter Great much awesome hack.
1: Much like exercising the body and moving the body, we gotta use these things. Totally. I did my, I've been doing I've been doing fifty push-ups a day.
0: Yes, you have.
1: I Look do feel I a little biceps. white here. I just do 50 push-ups a day, sometimes with Orion on my back, which is an extra 25 pounds.
0: Justin, white biceps matter.
1: Olives matter. <laughs> Castle vitrano Castle. I don't know. So many letters in that one.
0: Red, yes, cacao t-shirts matter.
1: I'm wearing one of those. <laughs> I know. By proxy, this is <laughs> By a. By proxy, turbulent. you matter. Use matter. Use matter. Um, but enough about politics. So basically, this is how I got the idea. I was thinking my sweet and lovely father-in-law passed a little over a year ago. There's 365 days in a year. Hold on a second. were about 60 days past that. And I realized that uh, this week was the 420th day since Natan passed on the 16th of September. So just a few days ago. Uh, so 420 days. And Natan was a really big fan of cannabis. Mm-hmm. It was one of his spirit plants uh, and used it extensively throughout his uh, his life I think his adult life I don't know when he started smoking cannabis but he was in deep relationship he used it to stave off uh, cancer um, for about five years yeah, he did some amazing things and was deeply researching it connected with Rick Simpson had had lovely and and very discerning about he was very discerning because he liked really sticky wet fresh buds mm mm-hmm. But he also liked having lots of variety. So he would have dry, crusty things. He would have different forms, different formats. Part of the inheritance, actually, that we were left was a giant bin of... I mean, it's 424 days, 22 days since then. I have maybe made it 10% through this. And I share a lot of it, too. I I mean, you know, it's a thing. So I, I thought about that. I was like, 420... Like, cannabis is such a powerful medicine. And then there's so much judgment around using it. Not only judgment of others, as, you know, war on drugs, that kind of meta. Um, And then also when we have friends that are just like super stoners and like maybe a little checked out. Uh, But then there's also the self judgment, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about on this particular episode as far as how cannabis and conscious awesome and right relationship with this beautiful medicine, you know? Cause there's like medicinal and recreational, which that doesn't make sense to me. It's not an either or, it's a Venn diagram.
0: Yeah. though I mean, those are, those are like matrix. <laughs> I'm, I'm bummed that the audience didn't see all that was just happening.
1: This um, is my sign language for this. Cannabis is a Venn diagram.
0: Yeah. I mean, medicinal and recreational are just like matrix profiteering delineations they don't i don't give those any legitimacy
1: it's all experiential yeah and there are multiple multiple levels of reason so i, I was uh, i was telling you that i'd listen to this podcast uh, it was like a tedx talk about cannabis it was just the first thing that came up i think i uh duck duck goad um what did i type in uh like conscious use of cannabis or something or, you know, mm-hmm. cannabis you know, relationship. That's what it was, cannabis relationship. And uh, this, you know, 15-minute TED Talk came up that we can link to in the show notes. And it was just, you know, it's pretty nice broad overview about our relationship with cannabis. Uh, you know, because a lot of it talks about how when you think about the history of cannabis, some people only go back to like the 60s, which is, you know. 60 years ago. Right. Uh, but we have found maybe 5,000 years of use um, is probably the oldest as far as uh, glyphs and language that depicts cultivating cannabis. And it allegedly, seems to be...
0: Allegedly, it's the soma that that's referenced in, like, the Mahabharata, that, that, that soma was cannabis.
1: It's very possible. Um, very possible, especially with the edible format because, and, and oftentimes I, I know that I have gotten extremely altered, like some of the most altered I've been through edibles. Like when I've eaten more than I thought I was eating, eating and the length of time that I'm feeling the effects and also the depth of, I mean, in some ways disassociation, but I like to say reassociation or just altering perspectives. Like I, I envision it and I think I did once envision it, as I was one of the bricks in this pyramid matrix of all of my possible lifetimes and decisions. So like the pyramid of my Mm decision-making. And I came out of my brick and it was like Rubik's cube of all of the different ways I'm relating to myself and how I'm looking and perspective diversifying. It was very powerful medicine. I definitely came out a changed person after that. Yeah. So it could be that that's the Soma. Um, We've had just such a long relationship with it. And then for the last, you know, 100-ish years, it's been super demonized. Uh, Not only in the U.S. I think the guy in the TED Talk was saying something like $40 billion has been spent to control, suppress, and prohibit cannabis, which is a waste of money. I want to be on record saying that.
0: It's weird because it's been, like, demonized and suppressed. At the same time, it's been, like, co-opted and then, like, kind of reintroduced in this subversive way. You and I are both listening to the same conspiracy, like, history of conspiracy theory book on tape. Or nothing's on tape anymore, but... (laughs) On the audio. the audio. And they're talking about, like, that plain... That plane full of weed that Bush flew in, like, you know, 30,000 pounds of it. So there's, like, the demonization, but we can't forget that it's been co-opted by the intelligence communities and then, like, put in to the so-called, like, progressive hippie communities. So it's, there's, like, a psyop going on with it. And just taking it to, like, very simple kindergarten 3D Yes, it's been demonized and there is, I know for myself, there's like guilt and self-judgment. Pretty much most of the time that I engage it, there's some level of that that takes some course correcting to get around because of how I've been indoctrinated.
1: I have the same experience. Like if, um, if I get high and then I go to the store or something and there usually is some voice that creeps in that's like, Oh, people are going to know that you're, that you're stoned. Now, here's the funny thing is since I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, because of the way my eyes look, and I'm smiling most of the time, people just assume that I'm, I've been smoking cannabis or that I am high or something like that. I get asked it all the time, all the time. Are you stoned? Are you high right now? And usually the answer is like, you know, 90% of the time is No. I mean, I've consumed, more recently, I mean, I've consumed a lot of chocolate, which does have endorphins and releases PEA phenylethylamine, the love drug. So I'm pretty blissed out. <laughs> and that that said, I have this self-judgment of like, I don't want people to know that I'm high because it maybe it reflects on me being irresponsible. And I, there's this voice and I hear it and I go, okay, where's the thread of that coming from? Oh, this is not this is not something that I need to carry. I can cut that cord, Right. Uh, that societal right. indoctrination cord. Um, but does
0: that still happen to you even now?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it just depends, because it's, it's an environment thing. It depends on where my mindset is. It depends on how, even if I feel really free in use of it, it opens the mind in such a way as to examine. And Duncan Trussell talks about this, actually where we look at, it's just showing us where we have vulnerabilities, oftentimes. If we have paranoia around something, it's just showing us some shadow material that we get to work with, not only in that space, but in the integration. We don't talk about integration from a cannabis session as we do from like a therapeutic psychedelic session.
0: So let's talk about it. Do you have an integration practice around cannabis use?
1: I like to take a nap. <laughs> um, sometimes it just depends. Sometimes, uh, like a really good journaling sesh will happen.
0: I like to um, work out. I like to <clears throat> sweat and like flush it out of my bloodstream and like like all be- like I like vigorous exercise to like cardio myself sober.
1: <laughs> For those but- of you listening on the only audio. Danny is like swinging her arms around in her vigorous miming.
0: That was me this morning. Sometimes on the on the rebounder, like it's not enough, so I have to like <laughs> bounce really hard and like pull my knees up really high and like pull my arms. Up.
1: Uh, you know what? Um, that's reminding me. There's this uh, Instagram handle that I like to follow called Humans Are Fucking Awesome.
0: Oh, Do you know this? No, will you send it to me?
1: Oh, it's so good. It's a private account, but I think most people get.
0: Maybe I'll make the cut. Derek's dream!
1: (laughs) We can only shoot you know, to be accepted by certain if we shoot to be, it doesn't matter. I'll send it to you. One of the recent ones is this aerobics class with all of these women just on rebounders going so full throttle. (laughs) Like, and, and I watched it and I actually held my breath. I was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? It's <laughs> the volume is, a, I mean, I thought is a, is a breast going to fall out of one of right. these people? Is someone going to fall off the trampoline? Really Cause you just don't jump know.
0: Through it.
1: Yeah. Because you know, people are programmed with those videos of human fail things. Even though I don't think those are fails. Those are contributions to the general comedy of being a human being. Um, so Humans are fucking awesome. I will send you that link. Maybe we'll even put the handle in. We will, so that you can also apply.
0: Everyone can apply. In. And then we can, like, do a... We can figure out, like, who made the cut and why. And who didn't make the cut and why. And we can, like, share information.
1: That can be in, in our, a follow-up show. We could talk um, about why, why those of us who didn't make it into the Humans are fucking awesome handle, what's going on, and how can we reorganize to make the cut.
0: (laughs) Okay. uh, okay. here's, Here's a place where I feel like cannabis use is wonderful. If I may take us there. Please. In the exercise class. And for me, I've gone through periods of time where I take big breaks and I notice that's where I'll miss it most as far as really getting me in touch with my body, with what needs to be released and what's going on. And I notice that when I'm on a totally sober kick, I'm not really as in touch. And when I lived in LA, I used to take this fascia release class. And, you know, Mm. various friends and I, we'd sometimes like have a little bit of cannabis before class because it just, it like really exponentially amps up the sensitivity and how deep I can go. And it also like makes me, I just heard the like, cancel clear, moving through that, putting that pattern behind me. Um, I work out harder. Like it, I did it again. It attunes me to really subtle movements in my body, subtle adjustments, places where I might be cheating or using other muscles, you know, that are, are I shouldn't be using for the exercise. And I used to have a low-level shame or guilt about having cannabis before this class. And over time, I started to realize that everyone in the class was taking cannabis before the class for the exact same reason.
1: And what was, that's awesome. (laughs) See, like it doesn't need to be, I mean, I'm just kind of one of those people like back in my early twenties, it used to just, I used to be so confused why people would have like, a cannabis session or even like doing cocaine or whatever substance was being used. And they would like, go into a small room or, a, a you know, and do this private thing. And like I was the guy that was just in the middle of the party, like take out a little bullet or thing, and in the middle of the dance floor, I'm like, here we go. You know, there, I did, I don't, I did it so I could push up against any kind of social taboo or like, we're supposed to do it like this. But I don't agree with the reason why we're doing it like that. So I'm going to do it this way.
0: Well, there's more integrity in that because when people are doing it and they're hiding it, then, then you have the shame and, and the you know we're not really being honest per se. You're owning your choices. That's infinitely more admirable. I did not try cannabis until I was in my late
1: 20s. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. I, I started when I was 16. I got my driver's license, smoked cannabis, and had sex for my first time right like in the same like two-month period.
0: Wow, 16 was a great year for you. Uh, yeah. I had sex for the first time at 16. I got into psychedelics at 21 and was really into LSD and mushrooms and opiates, but I was afraid of fire and smoking things, so it took me a while.
1: There's a taboo around that. There's taboo. And that's a that's also one of the beauties about cannabis is how many different ways you can ingest it. So like when you were doing your fascia class, were you smoking it or were you having an edible? I how were you?
0: smoking it. There was this great pen called Bebo, which we can also include a link to, that has a lot of CBD in it. So that was kind of my favorite before class because it's really, really dropped me into the body in a great way.
1: And there's... Um, there was something that was brought to my attention maybe like two or three years ago as the endocannabinoid system was being introduced like part of the commercialization of cannabis and the legalization meant that there were more studies that were coming out and it was less taboo to to tout the benefits you know beyond you know it's helpful for me to relax or eliminates pain <clears throat> so The endocannabinoid system that is inherent in our bodies, that is naturally present in our bodies, does great things for smoothing edges. You know, it's like less sharp angles. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you know, we-
0: Is that that scientific? Is that in the studies?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm making flowery words for it, but essentially the mitigation of- nervous system frequencies outside of the comfort range, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe, you know, it kind of keeps the nervous system and the, the, the relationship between, I think the communication between systems to be a little bit more slow. Mm-hmm. And because in our culture, slow doesn't always equate to good, because we're so right. obsessed with progress. Um, so for the last, you know, 100 years where cannabis has been demonized, we have as a cultural body been starved that we've we've basically starved that part of our natural system where we have a lot of receptors for cannabis within our body. And it's back in the day, like in the nineteenth century, eighteen hundreds. It's always weird to me how we say nineteenth century for the eighteen hundreds, more mindfuckery.
0: All uh, everything around time in our culture. Is deliberate mindfuckery that makes no sense. October is not the eighth month.
1: No, that's like a whole nother. We still have a calendar to create.
0: We do.
1: Conscious calendar. The School of Esoteric has has a calendar.
0: Indeed.
1: So, back in the day, in the eighteen hundreds, I will say, um, and before, people would grow cannabis as a crop for their livestock because it was easy to grow. It grew naturally. There's a lot of wild cannabis. And the livestock would eat that, and then people would, you know, drink the milk or eat the meat of their livestock. And it was subtly microdosing. We were getting endocannabinoids subtly through that, and it was also less taboo. I think people were smoking it more freely as well.
0: What were the um, What were the upsides of taking in those endocannabinoids? whatever?
1: <laughs> I think uh, I don't think there was as much anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't have first-hand experience. I mean, it's easy to say. I just don't know if I'm being honest. So not without the first-hand experience. But if you think about the hardships, like you know, in the first world where we live today, we have such amazing convenience. And that doesn't always equate to being a more happy or more satisfied human being. In fact, rarely does it. But back in the day when there was less certainty about things or there was just less distraction, less mind things going on. And I think that that was helping to mitigate the need for like putting in more information and like needing to kind of jive forward. Um,
0: was it optimal for the cows? Is that an optimal nutrient for the cows?
1: For sure, bro. It was for sure Cowabunga. Um I don't, I, I don't know how Cowabunga. it would-
0: bunga, that's so good. <laughs> You like that? <laughs> when you're feeding your cows cannabis,
1: that's that, total.
0: I'm curious to like. I'm curious to know what uh, you know the all that is intelligence. What optimal cannabis uses? Because that I, that's really interesting. I hadn't heard that feeding it to livestock and then taking it in at a micro level. I'm wondering what that does for the human system and for for any being that's you know kind of taking it in. know what other animals or insects are taking stuff from cows but
1: interesting on the um on that tip of having it kind of processed through animals yeah the most interesting to me the most fascinating and interesting cannabis um processing that i've heard of um is taking place in northern california uh, like in the Tahoe area, this lovely couple that I met uh, like a year and a half ago, actually at Expo West. I don't know if you remember having this conversation. I think you were at the booth with me there. Um, it's a lovely couple and they have beehives. They feed the bees cannabis flower. You know, they basically have this cannabis flower pollen or some The, the THC is in this kind of honey that they feed the bees. And they'll do strain-specific like flowers for different beehives. And the bees don't have endocannabinoid systems. So they don't absorb it, but they process it into the honey. So you can have like a sour diesel honey that doesn't have sour diesel added to honey. It's just in the honey that's processed through the bees. And here's the craziest part that that I'm... That I witnessed in it because I had them send me some samples, and I was thinking about doing some chocolate stuff with it.
0: Did you get high off the samples? What's the experience like?
1: It is like—is uh, it a forty X? Yeah, it's like, uh, like a point, like two, two milligrams of THC in this particular honey felt like more, maybe five to seven. No, it couldn't have been that much.
0: It makes it more potent?
1: Way more potent. <laughs> it was like it was one of those things where I was, I was like, wow, based on the California cannabis laws, I could technically put this into a chocolate bar and sell it in a grocery store, and it would get people really high. I mean, I'm not going to do that, and I'd probably be in big trouble for doing that. You know, I'd, I'd be in big trouble. I'd be in it would just not be beneficial consequences but it would be like i could put under the legal limit of thc like less than point you know three tenths of a gram is the is the max i could put like you know just under that but it would be as if you were having like a five milligram dose or an eight milligram dose it was was fascinating and delicious honey um, that was the most interesting. So th- there's a whole synergistic, you know, it's part that's, of the ecosystem.
0: That's, that's intriguing to me is the synergistic aspect. And I like, I remember you getting those honey samples and I wanted them so bad. But Expo West is so, it's so intense on the like, gimme, grabby consumption thing. There's a limit to like, I want some, you know, it's so in your face there.
1: Yeah, it's better to, I mean, it also just feels better in the body to not just take everything that's given to you.
0: I really like the idea of feeding it to cows and having it just kind of like gently put into people's systems this way. I'm wondering if anyone's doing that now.
1: I don't, I don't know, but, um, I would imagine that there's like waste product from processing of cannabis and taking that waste product and feeding it as, you know, as part of the feed to animals would probably be a, a viable business.
0: Right, like juicing cannabis is a thing that I'm fascinated by. And then you have all all the, the fibers and the leaves and the whatnot. That's Something like
1: 25,000 uses for the cannabis plant outside of getting high.
0: I went up to someone's house the other day to do some pottery work. And some girlfriends met me there and there were two, three, four, there were five of us and... There was some cannabis going around, and it's rare these days that I hang out with multiple humans. So I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity.
1: Why? Why? (laughs) Is a letter. And also curiosity. You don't have to answer it. It was just a.
0: Because we have to be safe, Justin. It's very important to be safe right now. Mm -hmm. And I like to follow the rules and do what my government tells me to do.
1: I'm a really good rule follower.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, So I asked them, I'm just curious, how often do you guys smoke pot? Everyone was every day. I was shocked.
1: (laughs) I mean, it seems like right now in this this timing, it's pretty necessary.
0: It does seem to be going around like that. And part of me does make me wonder if that isn't also part of what's going on. Because one thing that I noticed was when they legalized cannabis in California how um, really, like, incompetent a lot of people got. I noticed the work ethic. Like, I would go into stores, and I, I, I wondered, like, why is everyone all of a sudden so sloppy at their job? And I realized it's because I think most people are stoned all the time. So uh, my, my personal experience with the legalization in California is – Everyone being stoned lends to like a sloppier, more apathetic, incompetent populace, which definitely serves the powers that were in some ways.
1: Well, I, I think also it's that trying to fit into the matrix pace. Like if you go to somewhere where cannabis is more free, like in Jamaica, for example, I have not been to Jamaica. Um, however, my experience is- Tell me
0: more about Jamaica. But
1: as an expert in Jamaica, yeah. <laughs> we should have Orion on the show Orion Morningstar on the show
0: (gasps) yes then I can marry him
1: he has this like his confidence is sexy his knowledge is sexy his joy is efficacious I really like that human he's also really good at, at putting content out that is making me feel good
0: yeah exactly just for the point of making you feel good
1: so there, I, I know that there are certain cultures where cannabis is more deeply woven in and the pace is slower, or even like island culture. We just say island culture in general, where I think more people are slowed down. Probably a bunch of people are ingesting cannabis and it doesn't feel so sloppy. It's because it's going at its appropriate pace. Like if I work at um, like a Whole Foods in the city and I'm, trying to keep up with the Joneses of everyone and I, and people asking me things and it people's neuroses and anxiety that's a challenging place where it's like help it, it is I said like there It's helpful to use cannabis to eliminate or to really mitigate anxiety and you know it's still your choice of when to use and how to use cannabis which I want to get back I want to kind of pull us into,
0: Right, that's what cannabis.
1: the conscious, awesome use and the right use of, of cannabis because there is the anxiety pull down, there's also the laughter therapy, it's, it's really easier.
0: It's way things are funnier, and it's so healthy to laugh. It's so important to laugh,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, on the exercise, just to pull, pull us back to that shelf, my like my happy exercise place. Would be to wake up, and I don't know how. I don't really I haven't figured out how to organize this exactly. It would be to wake up, you know, in like the around five a.m. time. Consume some cannabis. You know, have a toke, or it doesn't take much for me to go up, up and away. Jump in the pool and swim laps with the blue. I ha- I have these blue tinted um, goggles that make things in the water look better, more like, oh, I'm just more excited to have my eyes open. And so like the light coming up in the sky, that lighting in the pool with my blue shades being stony and doing laps and feeling my body, knowing where my breath is and also not feeling having a little bit of a delayed effect on my body's tiredness or achiness. I can go farther. I can do more physical exercise, especially when it's in tension. Um,
0: Yeah, I definitely work out harder with it and can do more. First of all, do color therapy swim goggles exist? Because now that you mentioned the blue, I want them in every color. I'm thinking of my years swimming. I don't think I even once swam with cannabis in my system. That didn't occur to me. And this brings me back to the, I think you and I were having this conversation a couple of years ago. There needs to be something that you can take that ends the high. Because that's a yeah. problem. We want to work out in the morning. You know, like right now we had talked about, it would be so cool to do the show high. And then we both have the like, I don't want to be stoned for the day. I'm waiting for that piece that like where we can end it or or they can just isolate specific things so that the body is high but the the psychoactive part can be put aside which I, and they're doing a little bit with the CBD but that's what I got when you were talking about swimming that that's the problem with right use of cannabis is it's like there's a whole day worth of tasks and though it may optimize the exercise piece for me it's not going to optimize you know coaching clients <laughs>
1: There, there's like, um, there are certain days where the lineup of tasks can orient nicely to just having a steady level of cannabis, you know, throughout. Um, but it depends, like, if I'm negotiating a business deal, and I'm high, it's not good for me. That's not actually going to be helping. That's also, helpful.
0: for me... Right use of cannabis is not multiple uses throughout the day. It's generally a single use situation or a single use paired with with like an edible or an oil or something.
1: Well I, for each person it's, it's different just, for everyone. And that's actually part of the that's that's so fascinating to me is how the tolerance for different people. Like it occurred to me back to my math thing, I was smoking a joint and I was like perplexed as to how high I would get from maybe like four puffs. That was a lot. And I realized, okay, there's, there's a good, like 20 drags in a joint. And let's say the joint is a gram. Okay. And we're talking about cannabis these days being at least 20% THC, right? So if we're talking, it's a gram That's 1,000 milligrams, and 20% of that is THC. So it's just 200 milligrams in a joint, kind of minimum if it's a gram joint. And I'm having a fifth of that. That's like a pretty considerable. If I think about maybe my optimal edible would be like 2 milligrams or 3 milligrams, to be functioning and like work my body and move and still have some, or if I needed to like snap into something, I could do that. Right. Um, or if I'm in the grocery store and I need to remember what I'm there to purchase. Otherwise it's the shopping cart is full and there's all these fun, colorful things.
0: But it's so fun that way, because I don't know about you, but that's where I'll try new things or I'll, I'll totally. splurge on things that I wouldn't, it brings going to a store stoned, Opens up a whole new world of novelty. Otherwise I'm, I'm I'm kind of on automatic.
1: There's it's a pattern interrupt. And also usually when I get to the checkout aisle, there are things opened in the cart. I've been eating things along <laughs> along the way. I'm gonna pay for them, I swear. I just I needed to just feel what that tasted like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 shift of the shift of different tolerances between people, the different strains, the diff it's it's not homogenized. It's not it's, super- and it's also not for everyone. That's also an important thing to say about cannabis. It's really not for everyone.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Uh it's not a cure all, it's not a panacea. I don't know I don't know what it is aside from oh, chocolate's pretty up there for me.
0: I- it's pretty close, though, if we're just looking at the cannabis plant and its many uses. It's a pre- I, I'm not saying it's for everyone. I'm saying it's a very versatile, multidimensional plant when we approach it the same way. Excuse me. When we approach it, I'm
1: Customize. not done. <laughs> Uniquely. That. Well, what's the word? <laughs> Words. Palabra cadabra.
0: I have had this before. I remember... Um, like sometimes just invoking the energy of cannabis, I can get stoned. And I remember one time working on a project with a former writing partner and I had a podcast scheduled afterwards. So whereas sometimes we would imbibe before, before writing sessions, I was very clear, like, no, I, I really need to be on top of my game. And I got such a it wasn't even a contact high. There's just some sort of like visceral, if it's even in my sphere. And I showed up on that podcast. My brain was not functioning. I might as well have been stoned. Um, and I part of me is I'm noticing from this conversation, I think just the topic is bringing that energy into how I'm being animated.
1: Um, can I take us back a few words there to my brain is not functioning to replace it with my brain was functioning in alignment with cannabis or maybe through this the spirit plant medicine which I do want to jump into let's just do that right now the plant medicine the personality of cannabis and how that there there are certain people who that is their deity like that is their offering because when we do ingest plant medicines we oftentimes it is it is an offering to that plant medicine Uh, especially when we do it consciously but also when we do it unconsciously we are giving energy to that plant medicine and therein lies that interesting relationship of how both humans use cannabis and how cannabis uses humans uh, to be spread around and to be Lifted up amongst the plant kingdom, Um, personified, I would say that cannabis is a female. Hundred percent. And I would also say that she's a very possessive female.
0: So how do you see that?
1: I I feel like she's very captive in her audience, like the people who are giving her offerings. She wants to keep you. Like there's this like, don't wander too far into other. Even though she's a gateway, and she'll let She'll say, oh, there's these things. There's like a threat. At least I've experienced this. This could be a personal thing. Uh, If I go into a different substance or medicine, plant medicine, I might mitigate my use of cannabis, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes I'll go, I'm like, I'll have a mushroom journey and I'll realize, oh, cannabis wise, I need to take a break. or I'll have that. It doesn't have to be from another plant medicine, but through some activity. And I I often feel like the mistress, the deity, the feminine, the goddess of cannabis does not want me to stray too far.
0: Interesting. Like, I mean, I, I know this lore as far as how she mixes with ayahuasca. Uh, and I'm thinking, because I'm also thinking of times where I've taken psilocybin... And nothing's really happening, and then I'll have a little bit of cannabis, and all of a sudden that alchemy works for me, and it's super personal. And but and I have heard this lore about what is the name of the deity, the the ganja deity, the cannabis deity? Does she? Ha- I know she has a name.
1: Like, I, Ohio, bet She has. How Gai- I bet She has a bunch of names. Right. Um. I feel. I know, like, you know, different languages in, like, Patois and Jamaican. They have so many, so many different words and names. Right. I- interesting, one of them is Kaya. Bob Marley likes to say, use Kaya. Uh, mm-hmm. Mia Kaya. It would be fun, actually, to do a whole listing of all of the different, all of the different names. She's pervasive. Even Soma could be. I mean, people use so, and then now there's this, all the different strains. It's a cultural, right now cannabis is winning, culturally. It's leaped over the red tape. It's decided, I'm assuming this, that through commerce is the way that it's going to be proliferated. And so it has optimized the intelligence of itself to be utilized in the human commerce area and then all of a sudden lots of funding lots of money lots of proliferation a lot of green lights and also a lot of the societal hey it's okay you can do it so that people who wouldn't necessarily jump into that now feel more comfortable
0: i'm not sure that i agree that cannabis is winning i'm just playing devil's advocate here I see, I see some issues with the proliferation. One, I think it's a real issue that kids and teenagers are into it. And I know like very conscious aware parents who want to be the ones who go there with their kids. So they're smoking pot with their 16 year old, their 17 year old, the brain is still developing and everyone I know cancel, clear, delete. A lot of people that I know who started using cannabis as teenagers, uh, can't take it as adults. Like it, from having it in their system so young they have some sort of reaction where it doesn't work for them i don't personally think it is healthy for a developing brain to be smoking pot the other issue that i have with it being as popular as it is is how apathetic we are as a culture and i'm wondering if you know i know a lot of us have been leaning very heavily on it during this lockdown, and I wonder if we didn't, if we would still be locked down, or if we would get our shit together to organize and unify and protest and shut this down. It's making for a very acquiescent mm-hmm. populace.
1: I, I'm on board with what you're saying, both with the the youth, the young youth. I think the longer we wait to engage different plant medicines, often, you know, there's, you know, it's not like yeah, at infinite, but I I do think that the developing mind is better formed without without that. It's interesting. Like with, um, it's not the same with different substances. Like for example, ceremony, ri- ceremonial and ritual use of ayahuasca in small doses for children in South American communities. It it fits. It it works well. But I do see that doing things while the brain is still developing, especially in adolescence, and with all the hormones that are going on, I don't, I don't recommend it. I know I, when I started at sixteen, even that felt young to me. Even though everyone I knew smoked, pot, almost everyone I knew, I, I probably said no for I guess nine years old was the first time I was offered cannabis at that- Hebrew school at hebrew school sneak off into the bushes
0: at 9
1: mhm and i was like no i don't think i'm supposed to do that anyway i hung out with them and they they were really funny but i was like something was like no and then for a while my parents were my dad specifically said don't smoke cannabis until you're 18 like wait till you get to college and i did my best i waited all the way till 16 until peer pressure caved to peer pressure.
0: I never caved to peer pressure, but um, I also wonder if it isn't part of what's going on with the generation of people now who like are super triggered by a word or pronoun and they need like a puppy or safe space. Like there's not a lot of um, metal or ability to be with uncomfortable emotions. And I know for me, when we're differentiated, differentiating conscious awesome wise, between is this right use of cannabis or not, is being aware of when there are feelings that I don't want to feel and using cannabis to avoid those feelings and choosing consciously, no, I need to feel how bad this actually feels. So if we have our teenagers and our preteens and our nine-year-olds already starting on cannabis, are they able to develop the sort of emotional metal to be able to be with uncomfortable feelings. And I'm wondering if that isn't why we're seeing what we're seeing now in our culture, being so, so delicate and so unable to handle. you know, they're so offended and all that stuff. I'm wondering if there's a tie-in to early cannabis use.
1: Like there's a lack of experience with being uncomfortable and knowing how to navigate that. Right. It's true. I actually have this memory of you, and Jahara talking about me, but with me in the room, kind of jokingly. Um, like Justin, he's so he's such a happy camper, but I just I just don't think he. So there was something about like I don't think he's had that much experience with discomfort, or like there was some like. Um, some pointing to my lack of experience with discomfort because of the framing of my mind and my yesology being so easily re- just reframe things to suit me better. And generally, at least it's been projected on me before, that that's me avoiding things
0: mm-hmm.
1: or like not wanting to process things or something. I don't, I, I still, and I sat with that quite a bit and I, it doesn't resonate to me.
0: Hearing you say that back to me now, that doesn't resonate. Like, e- even though I see you as as a yesologist and someone who chooses a lighter perspective, I also know that you have an ability to be with very uncomfortable emotions.
1: I have tools. You I have, have plenty of, of, tools. of tools. Cannabis being one of them, but not one that I tread on. I don't tread there lightly. You know, there's, uh, or I guess I do tread lightly with it because... I know that there is a slippery slope and I've witnessed it with friends and with a lot of people that I know who use it as a crutch instead of a vehicle. Yeah. Because like when you are going into your fascia class and it's allowing you to go deeper in and to maybe buffer the pain of something to get to the core issue of a pain, that is a very powerful use. However, every time I feel something that doesn't feel good or I'm, I'm, you know, about something and I just want to smoke some pot and forget about it, to me, that becomes problematic and more of a crutch. It's funny that we use the word crutch and also the crutch is the little part of the J that you use to hold so you don't hurt your hands.
0: Um, yeah, I definitely see that as uh, something to be wary of and I see it in my friends as well. It's interesting how we have—we all have different relationships with medicine. There are, there are certainly times when I'm aware that there's like a deep trauma or a wound that's calling my attention, that's calling me into a deeper acknowledgement. And a lot of times cannabis will allow me to go deeper into it and allow me, I don't know what it is. Um, if it's just giving me the courage or holding the space. And again, we all have our different relationships with that medicine. Um, and it's, it's a sign for me when I'm, and I mean, that's a key when I'm out, if I'm using it to check out, if it's not taking me deeper, if it's not co- connecting me deeper to my creativity, to my feelings, to my body, to other people, if I see it pushing me far away, then I know it's time to take a break.
1: Yeah, there, there's a, it's just a part of a self-knowing. It's part of the know thyself principle, the hermetic principle of knowing thyself, where there may be opportunities and there often are opportunities where stress is getting in the way of us being able to function properly. Mm -hmm. And there may not be the time, it may not be the right timing to go down to the root of whatever's going on. I mean, ideally, yes, I put everything aside and I go down to the root. I, you know, use the elemental tools that I have to squash or transmute whatever's going on. However, If I'm going around in pain, whether existential pain or physical pain, day in and day out, I think that the cumulative effect of of not using cannabis can have way longer term trauma and just baggage. So I'm a big fan of recommending cannabis to just give yourself a break right? Just like go easy. If you find yourself being really hard on yourself and everything is crunchy and even with the whole political realm that's going on right now with all of it. And if you just got to take a little buffer, cannabis is, it's designed to help with that buffer. Even a two hour respite from feeling stress in your body can have long, long lasting effects.
0: Amazing. 100%. And it, I, also to put things in perspective, like I'm, I'm reading a book now called Relational Intelligence. And oh, cool. it's great. I love it. And he's breaking down um, d- different aspects that affect our relational intelligence and how they affect the brain. And so the, the part that I just read is about being frazzled and how the state of being frazzled shuts down different cognitive functions and really erodes relationships. And something I've known about myself, like since I was a little kid, really high strung and super sensitive and like really prone to like stress and overwhelm. Like I was the most high strung little kid you can imagine. And that's very good use of cannabis for me is when I'm in that space to just help me take the edge off and get, per- and not just to, re- not to rely on it that way, but to give me some space and perspective to see What's going on? What's running through me? What's really important? And when I've gone through times, you know, I took three years off of all intoxicants, and that's when I realized what a superhero tool cannabis is for me, and especially in that to just quell that frazzled, overwhelmed stress piece, or just give me a break from it.
1: Yeah, interesting how, when used properly, it really helps us see things more clearly, yeah, and more holistically. Yeah, I know when I took about a year and a half off um, of substances. I also, I just had a different appreciation when I started again. It was, yeah, and it it continues. You know, there's just, there's right time and there's different phases in our lives, but throughout and throughout, um, and this is something that my youngest brother said when he was a teenager, he was sitting with his friends and they were about to like hotbox their car or something. And he was like, wait, guys, hold on. Let's set an intention. Mm -hmm. Because intentions make everything better. Uh I love that I remember that. I love that that wisdom that came through that, you know, 16, 17-year-old was so potent. And so it's so simple, but it really makes a huge difference. Because when we know what our intention is going into something, that's, that's going to sometimes stop us from doing it in the first place, right? Like I've had periods of I've like rolled a joint and I've been ready to do it. And then I'm about to smoke it and I hold, and I want to set an intention and nothing is coming to mind. Like it's just blank not happening. I'm like, huh, I think I need this. Maybe this is not the right time. Let me just put it down for a second and see if I come back to it. Um, And usually something magical happens right after that confirms that and then whatever, then I have a joint rolled for another moment.
0: Yeah, I think another, uh, the pause that you just mentioned made me think about, like you took a pause, it didn't come to mind, you put it down, you're waiting for the intention to come to you. And sometimes I'll have the thought, like, oh, I have this thing to do next. Maybe I'm doing an exercise class. It'd be great to smoke a joint but to, to pause and then think a few steps ahead. Well, what do I have after that? And after that? And after that? And then, oftentimes, when I think a few steps out, I realize, okay, it's not worth it for an hour-long Pilates session, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. And I think. I'm, oh, sorry. I'm, go ahead. What? Well, but. That? That, that, that,
0: that. <laughs> um, a very simple way for me to stay on top of right use is uh to not use cannabis multiple days in a row and to just notice where it's is where it's becoming an unconscious thing versus like a conscious choice but that's a really good check-in for me is to just make sure that I'm taking days off
1: I feel like that's a good safeguard to the apathetic piece that you're mentioning so I do see that culturally it is a great tool to kind of acquiescence tool for getting people to just go with the flow. It's all good. Just go with the flow. You know, don't fight, don't push back. It's, you know, there's, there's something in this spark nature and that, that need really for us to hold boundaries, not leak things uh, to stand up when it's an important thing. And I mean, for some people, cannabis helps with that. I would say for the majority of people, especially if you're doing it every day, and maybe this is not the case for, for some of our listeners. Just good to take a look at that of is this the correct timing? Is this going to be beneficial beyond beyond the circle of energy that is my being? And how is this rippling out? How is it going to affect the people around me? How is it going to affect the culture? How is it going to affect my viewing of time and my collective adding to that? Just something that i ponder sometimes.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I think the other thing to ponder is where where there's like I, I heard it. Where there is a a, a perceived quantum entanglement or an in, inextricable bind. As in if I'm in the habit of always using cannabis before Pilates, then I need to question that. If Pilates equals cannabis for me, you know, and I've created this this uh enmeshment between them then that's something for me to question. If there's an activity that I think I can't do without cannabis, then then for me, that's going to point me to the fact that I might not be using it very responsibly.
1: And that might even be pointing to um, a word that's used a lot in our culture, addiction. That It's a subtle thing. Um, yeah, it's a subtle thing. And we have addictions to relationships of activities and substances, um, even, you know, like coffee. Like, I need a coffee to start my day, that kind of a thing. Those addictions, I mean, you know, choose your addictions wisely. Just be mindful. Be Realize that instead of the taboo word of addiction, it can have a lot of weight to it. It's just about your relationship with activities, with substances. It's about your relationship and keeping checked into what's going to be serving you on your mission because you're listening to this podcast. You're on a mission. You have a purpose. You don't arrive here just willy-nilly wandering, checked out as an NPC, which I've been so enjoying that term recently. (laughs) Non-player character for those of you who are not video game or culturally savvy in such ways.
0: Paul Joseph Watson has a great video on NPCs. So, From that perspective,
1: are you addicted to chocolate? I have to check into that often Uh, and take breaks sometimes, rarely. Um, If I stop eating chocolate and I see detrimental effects, then that's something that I'm like, oh, there's something going on there. But in my 11 years of pretty constant consumption of chocolate every time i check in and even when i take breaks and come back it's the relationship feels like i'm in dialogue Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and for whatever reason it could be that one day it doesn't work for me and that's going to be something that'll be a very confusing time for me um but as long as i'm in the conversation with it and it's saying yes then i'm saying yes back
0: that's really the key, is to be in a dynamic dialogue with all substances.
1: Yes. All substances. All food substances. Included.
0: hmm
1: This is fun.
0: Yeah. I think,
1: you know, um, I miss getting stoned with you, even though I think we've only done it a couple times. Really? Yeah. we a Most times? of it... <laughs> And most of the time that we have hung out in person I think has been during times, you know, we've known each other for quite some time, but we have overlapping uh, I'm not consuming cannabis at this moment.
0: We do have, we have had a lot of those.
1: And, you know, maybe that as due to, you know, there's a cosmic journeying that's happening in our many lifetimes of being conscious awesome. Uh, Since we reunited in this life, at an ayahuasca ceremony maybe there's something in that where but i do look forward i'm just saying i I look forward to just getting high with you and and chatting maybe we'll do an episode uh we'll at least record it whether we release it we'll see if we can be gentle on ourselves and share uh, transparently the cuckoo between me and you
0: (laughs) i like this idea
1: yes so good well, I encourage uh, conscious use of cannabis I encourage you to um, especially for people who maybe consumed cannabis 20 years ago and haven't touched it since or something um, you know check in it may it still may not be your medicine but maybe it, it's helpful at this particular time and I think anytime a plant medicine is being in right use, as long as as long as we're in a dialogue and conversing with the plant medicine and using it to to be more present, I think that's a great thing. Aho. <laughs> Thank you to our audience. Thanks for uh, burning one down. It's, uh...
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like, to share it with your nearest and dearest, and remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.